And these four G's kind of guide us and help us grow um, and living in deepening in our discipleship of Christ so that we can live into our mission of connecting the world with God's love. And so each week um, during this series, we're visiting scripture that aligns with each one of those G's to see how God is calling us to deepen our discipleship in each one of those areas. <clears throat> so last week we talked uh, about giving, our, uh, our 4G of give. This week we're focusing on growing. We already talked a little bit about that during our time of offering and how we're just kind of zeroing in on what it looks like to be growing. Um, what must we do now so that we can continue to grow in our knowledge of God? And so this whole idea of right, doing this thing so that this other thing happens, right? Um, we've already established that that is super rooted in Scripture, and it's exactly the premise of this sermon series and so we're going to be using uh, that premise for the next four weeks of going over these statements in the Gospel of John. So we're going to go to God's Word together to get started. So if you have your Bible with you, I'll invite you to go ahead and get that out and um, keep it handy. If uh, you don't have a physical Bible and you would like one, um, if you would just raise your hand and Usher will come and bring one to your chair. Um, we always have Bibles available on the table in the back, so if you grabbed one on your way in, that's perfectly fine. Um, if you would like to use a phone or a tablet to follow along, um, that's also fine as well. I always give the disclaimer that you won't get in trouble for being on your phone in church, so I won't call you out. Um, and then the words are also going to be available on the screen behind me for you to follow along as well. Um, if you don't have a Bible at home, though, um, I would love to be able to give you one. So um, to be able to, to give you one to take home today, um, or perhaps you uh, know somebody who um, you would like to give a Bible to um, in your life, I would love to, to give you that to take um, to someone. So um, just come see me after the service so that you can uh, have that today. Um, we also have journals and pens available in the back for you as well to take notes. So use all of those resources as you will. And today we're going to be looking at the Gospel of John. Surprise, surprise. And uh, we're going to be in chapter 20, verses 24 through 31. While you're turning there, I want to give a little bit of context for kind of where we are in this particular Gospel narrative. <clears throat> so from last week, we have really sped ahead at this point. Last week we saw Jesus was washing the feet of his disciples uh, at the Last Supper, uh, which was the night that he was arrested and the night before he was going to be crucified. Um, and today we're speeding ahead and we're jumping all the way in the story past the crucifixion and past the resurrection. And in fact, at this point in the story, Jesus has appeared in his resurrected body to all of his disciples except for one except one disciple. And it's the man who will forever be referred to as Doubting Thomas, right? Poor guy. I mean, isn't that so unfair, right? Like, they all the disciples doubted. Like, it's, it's recorded in Scripture. They all doubted, right? He just got stuck with the nickname for all the millennia. But this is one of the disciples who, in all the other gospel accounts, he kind of just appears on a list of names with the other disciples that followed Jesus. Uh, but in John's gospel, he has become a character of sorts. Like, he's given a little bit more of a backstory, a little bit more personality. You can see different sides of him. So it's someone that we can begin to identify with in the story. And in the gospel of John, Thomas is referred to on four different occasions, and three of those are in conversation with Jesus. 
And each time that we see Thomas in one of these particular uh, conversational episodes, right, we see a little bit more of Thomas's character. And we can see from looking at those previous episodes of seeing Thomas in the story that we can see that he is a devoted disciple, absolutely a devoted disciple of Christ, but one that is perhaps a little bit more skeptical and maybe a little more cynical than the other disciples. And honestly, the more I read about Thomas and the more I engage with scripture that has to do with Thomas, I'm like, I think we would have gotten along. You know, I think, I think we would have been friends. He seems like, he seems like a real cool kind of guy, you know, really does. So when we get to this point in the story, when all the disciples had seen the resurrected Jesus, except for Thomas, of course, right? Of course, he's going to be true to the character that we've already seen developing. But what I think that this particular episode and story tells us and shows us today is how we, on this side of the story, can press in and grow in our discipleship. So we're going to read these words from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, 24 through 31 together. It says this, But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So first of all, we need to address one big question. Where was Thomas? Right? Where was Thomas? All, all of the other disciples were gathered together. Where the heck was Thomas? Right? So why is it that they're all together except for him? Well, the short answer is we have no idea. We don't know. The, like, scripture doesn't tell us that. We don't, we don't actually really know. But we do know some things that can help us develop some inferences about where he might have been or why he wasn't there. And the first thing is that when Jesus appeared to the other 11 disciples, we read about this in in just a few verses above um, this passage in verse 19. And he says this, uh, it says, When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you, right? So the doors of the house where they were staying were locked for fear of the Jews. So remember, these 12 men had just witnessed their rabbi, who had been discipling them for three years, 
They had witnessed him being arrested and killed because of what he was claiming and teaching, which they were learning from, right? So these guys are scared for their lives at this point. And so they're in this locked room to keep themselves safe, except for Thomas at this point when Jesus appears to them for the first time. He was probably out running errands, right, to go get food and necessities for them who were gathered in that room is, is probably what was going on, right? But it was a brave move for Thomas to go out, out of their safe haven, and to go out into the world where people might have had a bounty on his head, right? And he went out to go get the things that they needed for the group. So he was kind of like, you know, I'll volunteer as tribute. And based on the previous statements about, uh, to- about Thomas and John's gospel, the-, the times when we see him and in his conversations with Jesus, it's really clear that he is a devoted disciple even to death. Like he's willing to be martyred. He's willing to face death for the sake of Christ. And so even at this moment, we can kind of see that perhaps this is just Thomas being a very, very brave disciple. He doesn't get you know, Thomas the brave disciple for the millennia, just doubting Thomas. So again, a little unfair. But then this incredible thing happens, right? While he's away, Jesus shows up in his resurrected body. I mean, like, talk about missing out. I mean, I bet Thomas had some serious FOMO. You guys know FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. Yeah, he had PTSD from this and like some serious FOMO for sure. Like it's the, it's the thing that the, the event of the millennia, like everyone's going to be talking about it forever. And he's like, oh my gosh, I was out getting bread, you know, like or whatever he was doing, right? Of course, of course I missed this. And so when Thomas comes back from wherever he had bravely gone, he's confronted with this incredible news. But being the skeptic and the cynic, really, that he kind of is, he chooses not to believe, right? It says in verse 25, But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails in my hand in his side, I will not believe. Now, can you imagine, just for a second, can you imagine everyone around you claiming that something happened and not believing it. Like everybody that you're close to claiming that something happened and not believing it. Like if everyone around you was like, we saw a mermaid, like uh, we saw one, we really did, right? Like would you, you think you'd be that hard and like, nope, no you didn't. All of you are wrong. All of you are crazy, right? Or would you start to be like, well, I don't know. Like if everybody's saying that this is true, like maybe, maybe there's some validity to it. I think that you'd be hard-pressed to hold on to that much doubt if everyone is claiming the same story. And I think Thomas wanted to believe. I think he wanted to believe that what his friends, what these other disciples were claiming was true. I think he wanted, more than anything, to share the experience that all the other disciples had. But the reality for Thomas was that he didn't, right? He wasn't there. He didn't see what everyone else saw. He was singled out. For Thomas, his reality was that Jesus was dead. And so he said this statement out loud of what he would need in order to accept that truth 
that the other disciples claimed, the other disciples who had seen with their own eyes the glory of the risen Lord. A while back, uh, Pastor Chad actually mentioned something uh, in the office when just talking about theology as we do, you know. Uh, But he mentioned something to me about what he'd heard in a study about Thomas. Um, And and I noticed in the passage, um, as Chad had, had mentioned this, that you notice in the passage we read that after Thomas makes this declaration, the very next verse says this. It says, a week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Right? Notice that timeline there. A week later. Even though Thomas doubted, Thomas was left out. He didn't get to have the same experience. Everybody else is buzzing about this. He, he felt like he was missing something. Even though he doubted, he kept showing up. And you know, for that week, That whole week, right, seeing Jesus resurrected is probably all anybody was talking about, right? That's all the other disciples are talking about. But he didn't give up on his community. He didn't give up on maybe getting to see a miracle for himself. He kept pressing in. And a week later, he saw for himself and he believed. Now you might think, Poor Thomas, right? Poor Thomas just had bad timing. He wouldn't have even had to go through all of this. He's singled out, right? You just kind of see him in the story as poor, doubting Thomas. If only he'd been there the first time. But I love this quote um, about this story in Scripture from Pope St. Gregory the Great. He says this. He says, Surely you do not think that it was pure accident that that chosen disciple was missing who on his return was told about the appearance and on hearing about it, doubted. Doubting so that he might touch and believe by touching. It was not an accident. God arranged that it should happen. His clemency acted in this wonderful way so that through the doubting disciple, touching the wounds in his master's body, our own wounds of incredulity might be healed. It was no mistake that Thomas was missing when Jesus appeared to his disciples the first time. You don't think that Jesus' timing is perfect like it has been every other time, like it has throughout every part of this gospel? You don't think that Jesus' timing was perfect in this instance? It was through this that an opportunity was made for us to hear a story that we can connect with today on this side of the story. Because on this side of the story, we haven't seen the risen Lord. We haven't seen the risen Lord with our own eyes the way that the disciples do in this story. We see through the eyes of the gospel writers. And we see and share the presence of Christ in the witness of the church. And yet, we are called to grow in our discipleship of Christ all the same without seeing. Now, John's gospel is the only one that tells this story of the synoptic gospels. They, and, and John is not, in the synopti- uh, not a synoptic gospel writer. The other gospel writers, they don't tell this story. He's the only one that tells this story. 
But there's a clear reason why he chooses to include it. He follows the story of Thomas's encounter with Jesus, right, which ends with Thomas proclaiming belief and calling him my Lord and my God, right? And then Jesus says to him after this, he says, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. And then John kind of, it's like the narrator all of a sudden comes on, you know, and starts to talk to you, the audience. And he, he writes this message directly to the reader. And he says this, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. He says that, that the encounters with Christ, right, were, were many more uh, than, than what the book could, could hold. And in fact, he ends his gospel in a really similar way. Um, in chapter 21-25, he says, But there are also many other things that Jesus did. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. I love that. I love that verse, right? So he says that, that there's so many other encounters with Christ, so many other things that Jesus had done that are not even recorded. But his point that he's making here is that there are specific stories chosen to be passed down for us, right? For the ways that they will speak to us, a people who will not have seen with our eyes. And this story of doubting Thomas is one of them. Last week I talked about the Greek word uh, hina, right, which is the word that translates into our English phrase so that, which is what we're kind of talking about for this whole series, right? And John uses this word a lot in his gospel. I, I mentioned that to you last week as well, that he uses it 145 times. He uses it 145 times. And in fact, in this passage, it shows up twice in the very last verse. Two times in one verse. In that last verse, it says, But these are written so that, right, Hina, you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that, Hina, through believing, you may have life in his name. He's saying here, hey, future church, right? He's talking to us. He's talking to us. Future church, these Words are for you. Study them. Don't stray from them. Return to them again and again because these words are written so that you can know Christ. Know Christ intimately the way that the disciples knew Christ so that you can know Christ and believe in him without seeing. And so that by believing you can know life. This book, God's word, right? This book, this is a gift. It is a gift that leads us to believe in the truth of Christ and to know more of God and to grow in this life of faith. I love that Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Um, Verses 16 through 17, he writes, One of the most quotable statements there is about the importance of Scripture. 
He says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. This word is for us to know life in all of its fullness, despite our own propensity for doubt and sin and failure. And it's a gift for us to grow, to grow, to be messengers of this invitation into the life that only Christ can offer. Friends, everything that has life grows. It's a sign of life is to grow. It's what it means to be alive and thriving. And for us to be spiritually alive means that we are made to grow. And so just like Thomas, right, may we keep pressing in. Keep pressing in for that future growth. May we keep coming back over and over, expectant that God is going to show up for us in the most miraculous of ways. And friends, may we be devoted disciples in every facet of our lives, even when the growing is hard, so that God's kingdom would continue to grow here in Katy, Texas, and all throughout the earth. May it be so, friends. Let us pray. God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the way that it teaches, that it gives us reproof and correction, and it trains us in all righteousness. We thank you for this gift that you have given that has been passed down, that it was curated perfectly so, inspired by you to be words for your church today and forevermore. God, we pray that the words that we've heard, the words that you have spoken to us today, would they resonate? Would they plant seeds in us that would continue to grow? Would they be like water that nurtures the seeds that have been planted that would continue the growth in us? Would they be like fruit on the tree of our lives that provides seeds for us to plant for others? Lord, that your kingdom would grow here on this earth, that it would start with us. We pray this in the holy and powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.